Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Celtic Soul Podcast was invited by the Celtic Trust to attend an open mic meeting where we could ask questions and put concerns from our listeners to members of the Trust and also Paul was there from Celtic Shared and we would like to thank Celtic State of Mind for hosting the event. Good evening and welcome to the Celtic Trust and Celtic Shared Live Q&A event. My name is Paul John Dykes and uh, I'm absolutely privileged to be able to offer our platform at Celtic State of Mind uh, to open up this debate, to answer any queries, to answer any questions that you may have, air your views, ask your questions, raise your concerns. I'm joined by Natasha Meikle from a Celtic State of Mind and we also have on the panel Eddie Toner, Jeanette Findlay and David Lowe from the Celtic Trust. Welcome to the event, ladies and gents, um, as well as Cormac Ryan. Cormac, welcome to the event. And Paul Quigley from Celtic Shared. Um, now, this is, is basically us using the technology to put out um, to the, the wider audience the, the whole process and purpose of the Shares for Value proposal. Any questions that come in through the, the comment section, Natasha and I will be able to put to the panel. Uh, but we'll also be speaking to a number of Celtic podcasts this evening because Celtic are blessed with having some tremendous uh, output in the fan media uh, section. So we have Kev from North Curve. Welcome to the show, Kev. And also Hamish from 67 uh, Hail Hail Media. So first and foremost, what we'll do, Paul, if you want to introduce yourself, we'll go around the panel first of all, and then we'll go to the podcasts and they can start asking some relevant questions that they have and perhaps our listeners have as well. So welcome, Paul. Let us know a wee bit about yourself. Uh, hi there, Paul John. Thanks very much for having us on and for being willing to facilitate this discussion. Obviously, it's the sort of first of its kind, but hopefully um, it's something that, you know, the audience can get a lot out of um, and it allows for an in-depth discussion and a bit of debate about the share issue at hand here. Uh, my name's Paul Quigley. I'm one of the uh, members of Celtic Shared um, and we are obviously a campaign that's recently set up uh, to promote uh, fan issues and in the long-term campaign for fan ownership. 
Um, so we're very happy to be invited along by yourselves and by the Celtic Trust here tonight. David Lowe, you're the chairman at the Celtic Trust. I spoke to you last week. Uh, tell us a wee bit about where you are and intru- introduce yourself um, and your colleagues, Jeanette, Eddie and Cormac. OK, so I've been involved with the Celtic Trust since January last year when everything in the garden was relatively rosy. I thought this was going to be fun being involved with the Celtic Trust. (laughs) Uh, And, of course, uh, things haven't worked out that way. So uh, I got involved to help promote uh, greater share ownership. Ownership of shares is ownership of Celtic. Uh, We have 25,000 shareholders. A lot of them have become disconnected from their shares. And one of the core campaigns for the trust last year was to help unite shareholders with their shares whilst working in conjunction with Celtic. And that was going swimmingly well uh, just as the season was unravelling. So as we speak, you know, at the end of uh, right now, basically, we have no trophies. We've lost the 10. We're in the middle of COVID and uh, you know, the immediate outlook's tough for football and Celtic as well. So I'm here tonight. Jeanette Finlay, acting secretary, is here tonight. Eddie Toner is a, a member of the one of the committees, the shareholders' committees. And uh, we are here to ask answer questions that other organisations may have in respect of the trust proposal for issuing shares in, in form of value to season ticket holders who shelled out best part of £25 million this season. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the discussion. Let's get started. Kev, you've joined us from North Curve Celtic <coughs> and you and your audience may have some burning questions to ask the panel. Um, what what are your thoughts? What are your concerns or questions that you want to raise? So, just firstly, thanks for, for having us on as well. Um, we sort of make up the, the boys and girls uh, in the North Curve approximately about 700 memberships so I've kind of been uh, we've done surveys and different things like that to try and gauge a kind of idea of how everybody feels um, about this campaign and stuff and I think I mean I'm on just representing, there's, there's a lot of guys, a lot of girls with different sort of ideas, different mentalities uh, within our block but sort of asking for the kind of ordinary punter Basically, like, you know, who's maybe not interested in shares or interested in, you know, AGMs or anything like that, you know, just just interested in going to the games. Uh, is, you know, why why should they really be supporting this? You know, what difference is, is this going to make to them? You know, as I say, someday it's just not get much interest. Maybe someday that it, it's been through the last year or last season has shelled out you know, five, six hundred quid or whatever on the season book um, and is maybe just interested in getting a bit of dough back or getting a bit of money back in their pocket. Uh, so maybe better starting with that and just asking on behalf of somebody like that that, you know, as I say, isn't he interested in anything like Isn't he interested in the trust, you know, gaining more power or, or anything? What, what difference is this going to make to them? I'll throw that one out to the panel. Um, David, would you like to pick up on that one? Well, uh, at the start of, or in March uh, last year, 
chasing the 10 Celtic supporters went for 50,000 season tickets at £500 plus and put in £25 million plus to further the cause of another treble and another and a, and a ten, uh, we did that after uh, COVID had unfolded. Uh, we did it because we're Celtic fans, and uh, we were congratulated that in effusive terms by the club uh, in June. Thanks for our magnificent support, etc. So that's great, and we all set off on the journey. And of course, that journey's been horrible. Uh, everything that could go wrong has gone wrong. And uh, here we are finishing the season, uh, not having seen a game uh, this season. And we're reaching the stage where the club's uh, about to ask us for another, call it 25 million if it's the same as previous seasons, for another campaign. And I don't think there's a Celtic fan anywhere uh, that would think anything other than that's going to be a hard, hard sell within the context of what's happened uh, within the context of a, a lack of clarity as to whether we'll actually be able to sit or stand uh, in our positions uh, for the start of next season. So it's a very, very un- unhealthy backdrop. Uh, and amidst that backdrop, you know, the club did make a pledge uh, on the 23rd of June to supporters, and they also made a pledge to hospitality holders, of which I'm one, to return cash. So we don't think, uh, or the trust is, uh, doesn't think uh, money leaving Celtic is a good thing. They want to see money retained in Celtic so that the new manager, whoever it is, has as much money as possible. And we want to stimulate season ticket sales as much as possible. And we want to help uh, the football club achieve those objectives as much as possible. And our proposal should be seen in that light and indeed, uh, the offer uh, that we made to the board said that uh, when we sent it the 24th of February, it said uh, as shareholders in the club, and that means owners, that's what shareholders means, the Celtic Trust would like to work with the club in creating a positive dynamic for season 21-22. And we believe our, our proposal helps progress this. And we also said it's not meant to be interpreted in any other light other than that. And the five reasons that we gave were, number one, our proposal preserves the cash uh, during unprecedented and difficult times uh, for the club, uh, i.e. keeps the money in the club rather than taking money out of the club. It creates a positive dynamic for the sale of season tickets, a feel-good factor, if you like, or a feel-better factor, if not a good factor. Uh, It also brings a younger generation of supporters uh, into the, the ownership position if they took it, if they took up this offer. There hasn't been a share issue since 2005. Uh, so that's a good thing. Owning part of your club is a good thing. Uh, and of course, it helps restore the original Fergus McCann objective of a stronger supporter ownership profile in the club. It's important that uh, supporters own as much of uh, their club as possible because it is our club. And our proposal was designed or is designed to uh, achieve all those objectives. Uh, We also said that we're willing to work with Celtic, clarify anything with Celtic and assist Celtic in all these matters. So I don't think any reasonable Celtic anywhere would consider this proposal anything other than a good thing. 
Paul Quigley, just to come to yourself at Celtic Shared, what would you say to the ordinary fan who has no interest in uh, Celtic Shares? Um, when you look at, obviously, the situation we've had this season, we were promised extra value. I don't think many Celtic fans would reckon have had that. Um, what would you say to those who aren't that interested uh, in receiving the, the value through Shares? I think Kev asked a really interesting question and I understand why people are, are, you know, sort of put off that aspect of things because it's not the reason that most of us became football fans in the first place. What I would say though is if the last year has taught us anything is that uh, it's quite clear in my opinion that the Celtic board is detached from the ordinary fan, uh, which is why for me this proposal not only... Uh, does it ensure fans get the value back for the money that they paid in season tickets but it will ensure that ordinary fans, not just like Kev or the boys and girls in the North Curve, but those uh, who sit across Celtic Park will have a greater collective say because they'll all have um, a ability to have an input in the decision making process at Celtic or they'll certainly be able to hold people to account. Added to what David said as well is that if we want to rebuild our squad if we want a challenge uh, to reclaim the title next season, the club is going to need um, to sell season tickets. It's going to need to start bridging the divide that exists between the fans and the club. Um, and it's going to take a united effort. Um, and unfortunately, I think time is running out a little bit on the club for the renewals. And a proposal like this, in one swoop, brings the support back on side uh, I think would uh, have a positive impact on season book sales and would give us a boost going into next season and hopefully allow the incoming manager to make a go of it. I think that's a great point, Paul. I'm going to come to Cormac and uh, ask your view on that. Uh, David had mentioned that one yeah, of the points... I, I, yeah, the positive dynamic, really, getting the, the fans back on side for season ticket sales. Yeah, um, and... I, and just, I was just about to jump in there, coming back to Kev's question about the fan who only cares about that bit of cash in their pocket, because I can really understand that, you know, I'm, I'm not a wealthy man myself, so like every penny counts, every penny's a prisoner. So if the, this proposal, it gives the opportunity, it, the way I see it, it creates a win-win situation for club and fans. It brings the fans back on side, it doesn't create an ill will, but it means that by... Um, issuing shares to the fans, they've got something that then has a monetary value, which if they're stuck for the cash, can be transferred into the cash. If they decide they want to hold on to it, that's their choice as well. And obviously, there's probably loads of the Celtic fans out there who would hold on to it purely because they, they want that sense. The the points that Paul just touched on there before me, without repeating them, but that, that sense of ownership and the ability to make a contribution to the club um, but to really address to, to address that question that Kev brought up there, um, it gives them something that that they can then, if if they need the money, they can turn into money without the club getting hit with a massive self-inflicted wound of of having to pay out cash. I see it as a win-win situation. I'm going to ask. Uh, thanks very much, Conmac. I'm going to ask Jeanette and Eddie as well. All around this value, this added value, um, at any point has the club disclosed or engaged with fans to say, this is what we expect to give you as added value? Have we been given any indication as to what their plans are for this added value? What happened was that after the meeting in June between uh, the club and uh, about seven Celtic supporters organisations, 
they, they made it clear during that meeting. Remember, this is in 2020, so we know that we know that um, you know we've missed some games at the end of the previous season. We have no clue how many games we're going to miss in the next season. Everything was very up in the air. But what was said was that they would absolutely um, be looking to maintain the value of the season ticket. So that was the terms in which it was sort of discussed. And we were, you know, we were very mindful of the fact that it was impossible for anybody to be able to say, um, to be able to say um, what that would look like, because at that point nobody knew how many games would be missed. So what we agreed at that meeting was that there would be something that the club would consult with the fan fan organisations before deciding what something would be, and that they put, they would put a statement at that time, which they did on the twenty third of June, setting that out. So we have been asking to meet them uh, in the last month um, to have that discussion. And they have not yet given us a date to meet them. So the club has not engaged with us at all, despite a public commitment that they would do that. But we still expect them to do that. Thank you, Jeanette. I think that in itself demonstrates the sort of gap there is at the moment in terms of, you know, communication between the people who are running the club and the people who fund the club as the supporters, you know, I'm fed up hearing platitudes for the likes of Peter Lowell and other people about how important the, the supporters are to Celtic and how it's our club and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, then we hear nothing from them. Uh, this has been a, probably the toughest season and probably, I don't know, a lot of people's living memory for Celtic. Uh, and it's been tough on the park and undoubtedly tough off the park. Uh, the gap for me between the board, if you like, and the supporters is now bigger than it has been at any time in my Celtic supporting life. And that, that goes back to, you know, previous to, you know, the old board and the old regime. I remember the demonstrations outside uh, the park. Uh, I remember turning up at Chelsea Hall and, and various different places, the Welsh Halls and various different places like this, back in the Sales for Change movement. And I hope that we could get more of a say in how a club, club runs and, and, and maybe have more of a stake in the club. And I think that's why, you know, to answer Kev's question, that's why the ordinary punt on the stand, if you like, should back this proposal. Because it's about, well, for me, it's twofold. It's about the board taking a big leap of faith and saying, you know, in actual fact, it's not just platitudes. We're not just here to pat you on the shoulder and say, oh, you are the greatest fans in the world and it's your club and the Celtic family. It's about them saying, we actually acknowledge that and we want you all to be a part of it. And what's your fire way to make us all a part of that would be to give you individual shares in the ownership of the club and maybe eventually have more of an active say in the important decisions around the club and how they affect the fans. So I think, you know, the fans could really have taken, uh, sorry, the board could really have taken a leap of faith and, and, and says, you know, we, we're going to, we're going to get the punters back on board. And what a strong message that would have sent out, you know, on the back of a horrendous season. Everything that could have went wrong has gone wrong. It would have sent you a really strong message. And I'm convinced that the punters then would have said, right, okay, 
it's been a bit of a cock up. Things didn't go the way we planned, but we're, we're willing to go again and we're willing to back them. Now, there are probably 25, 30,000 that will back them regardless. Uh, and I think everybody knows that. Probably include myself in that. You know, when the season ticket renewal comes out, I'll probably be one of the first to renew regardless. But not everybody's in a position to do that. And a lot of people are waiting to see what's happening. And this would have sent a really, really strong message out to the fans saying, we value your support and we appreciate it. But it would also have given the fans that piece of paper, if you like, you know, that, that, you know, that, that, that certificate says to them, you know, actually, I'm no just turnstile fodder. I actually own a bit of this club and a part of this club. For me, I like Cormac. I just think this was a complete no-brainer and a complete win-win for everybody. And I think it was sent out a massive, uh, sent out a massive message. And you know, I, I, I know the, the board have no ruled this out completely, but they, the signs we're getting is, is they're not really, they're not really in favour yet. But if they really want to encourage the people to back them and the punters to get behind them, this is a no-brainer for them, as far as I'm concerned. Thanks very much for your comments. Kev, are you quite happy with that? Do you have any further follow-up questions on the back of your original point there? Uh, I've got a few wee things sort of jotted down here. I think the only, maybe the only one, um, if I'm going to raise one more, is that I think everybody would be, especially our, you know, our membership and our boys and girls that come with a very sort of anti-modern football, anti PLC maybe type mentality that would be all for you know more say in the club possibly long long term sort of maybe looking at fan ownership and different things like that but short term is is there any or would you guys say there's any real risk of there's one or two sort of shareholders and investors that have no really any attachment to the club um, solely for a business point of view is there any risk in doing this that these guys could gain more power through it or could gain more of a stake in the club which would then lead to you know no sort of big big problems we can go into we can speak about Desmond and stuff like that but you could be looking at real real sort of problems if if certain other kind of factions uh, as I said gain a wee bit more power it was just to see if I don't know who that's best for David or, or, or whoever if they think it, that that would be a, a risk of happening what yeah. do you think, David? I think you touched on this last week. Uh, right, so first thing, uh, Celtic fans bought a world record amount of shares for a football club in 1994. They did it when they were asked to step up because the club was in a, a very difficult situation at the time. And most of those people still own their shares. And that's 25 years plus ago. So Celtic fans, as a generalism and as a rule, don't buy Celtic shares to make money. They buy them and they hold them uh, because they want to own part of the club. And the share register today tells you that that's true. So I'm not expressing an opinion. I'm stating a fact. So we buy shares because we want to want to own part of the club and we want to have an influence in the, the say of, uh, saying the things at the club, and we hold on to them. So I think it's a bit of a scary story from maybe one or two folk with an agenda that if you gave a whole lot of Celtic fans shares, they would immediately rush out and sell them all. 
I don't think that's a true statement. I think that's a scare story. And I think it's, it's preposterous to think that, and I'm going to mention the Linzel train, uh, the unemotional investor in Celtic would be standing in the sidelines sweeping up the, this this volley of shares that are coming on the market from a whole lot of Celtic shareholders is ridiculous. It's, it's just preposterous. Uh, Linzel train didn't get the shareholding they have by buying up lots of little pockets of shares from small shareholders. They got it because some fat cat sold it to them. That's how they get their shareholding. And every time, because of the size of their shareholding, every time they make a purchase, they've got to make an announcement. So I, I don't think there's a serious prospect of uh, you know, buying £500 worth of shares, making an announcement every day, because every day there's a Celtic shareholder selling shares. I just don't see any of this happening at all. Having said all that, there's 25,000 shareholders. There's only one of them uh, really that's in it for money, and that's Linzel Train. They're in it for money because they're an investment company. If you read their uh, articles of association, they're in the business of making money. Now, the, the only way that they're going to make money is if Celtic do one of these Super League things. Because Celtic shares have performed poorly since Fergus McCann left in 1999. Celtic shares have lost 60% of their value. So nobody, what I'm basically saying is nobody really buys Celtic shares to make money. They buy Celtic shares because they love Celtic and they want to be part of it, apart from Linzel Train. Linzel Train don't pretend to be Celtic fans. Linzel Train are placing a bet that Celtic end up in a better jurisdiction than they're in just now. Uh, and that basically is Celtic in some other league with access to television monies. And if that were to happen, the Celtic shares would uh, rise considerably. And again, the proof of, I can call it that, of, of that principle is that, you know, there was a rumour in the press a week ago uh, when the Super League was announced that, uh, you know, Celtic and Rangers were going to be invited into a, some sort of British League and the Celtic shares went up 10, 15 pence. Well, if that were to really happen, you know, they would double, treble or something like that. So it's a sort of long-winded answer to a question, but I'm basically dismissing the spectre of a floodload of Celtic fans selling little amounts of shares, all getting swept up by Linzel Train. I just don't see that happening at all. Thanks very much for that, David. And Ken, I'm just uh, keen to get on to Hamish, make sure Hamish has the opportunity uh, to air any views that he or his listeners have had. But thank you very much, Kevin, for your questions so far. Um, really appreciate the discussion. Hamish, uh, what's your thoughts? What have you been gathering between yourself and your, your audience in relation to the Celtic Shared and this movement? Yeah, I mean, it's it's very interesting. I think it's... Um, you know, it's an imperfect time, isn't it? I mean, uh, Celtic are, are going through a, a bad period and some of it's enforced and some of it's been put upon us by the pandemic. Um, one of the main things I think that's come out from, from people that have been getting in touch with 67 Hail Hail has been, you know, the Celtic Trust. I, I read the the frequently asked questions on the, the website and it was quite informative. Um but I think maybe some people would would just want to know what the the catch is, and you know if it is a you know a perfect scenario, why why are Celtic not seemingly keen on this? Um, you know, one question I had um, it says on the the Celtic Trust website that this would cost the club nothing, I think, other than small admin fees. Um, so I mean, are there any other non financial costs to the club 
or major shareholders, um, maybe such as dilution of current shares? Um, and if so, does it make it unlikely that Celtic would go for this proposal? First and foremost, then, um, I'll, I'll throw that out to the panel and see if anyone wants to pick up on that point that, that Hamish raised there. Well, I mean, the, I can answer it if you want, but maybe somebody else. <laughs> Shall I answer it? Yeah, go ahead. When you go, David. Well, you know, di uh, oh, well, dilution, you know, dilution, this is the, next, the second big scary story. Oh, we're all going to get diluted. Well, first of all, the issue of new shares has only been made possible by the Celtic board. It was the Celtic board that uh, proposed the resolution on the 14th of December. It was the Celtic board that recommended everybody voted in favour of the resolution on the 14th of December. And it was the Celtic board with their blocked vote that did vote in favour of the resolution so it's the Celtic board that created the conditions for issuing shares without first offering them to all the other shareholders. So you only do that if you, if you see a possibility of, or a need to issue the shares. So who were they planning to dilute? You know, most likely the small shareholders, you know, because nobody really cares if a small shareholder owns 0 0.0001 and he ends up with 0 0.00099. That's dilution, but it's inconsequential dilution. The only people that have something to say about dilution are, you know, half a dozen big cheesies uh, who get diluted. Oh, sorry, have the potential. It doesn't actually mean dilution. Have the potential to be diluted if shares are issued to season ticket holders. Uh, so dilution, quite frankly, is, is not going to change the ownership profile of Celtic to any great degree at all. Dilution doesn't really have any financial effect because Celtic ordinary shares don't pay any dividends and never have paid any dividends. And as I said earlier, nobody buys Celtic shares for capital growth because they've lost 60% of their value since 1999. We, want, we buy Celtic shares and we want Celtic shares because we're Celtic fans and we want to own part of Celtic and we hold on to them by and large. So I don't think dilution is, is a plausible uh, excuse for uh, for not uh, considering uh, the share proposal, particularly as it was the, the board that created the conditions for issuing the shares in the first place. No, thanks very much for that. Yes, please do, Paul. Um, no, just to, um, I'll certainly leave the you know discussion of shares and dilution and financial stuff to David and Jeanette. Um, but I just wanted to come in uh, quickly to, I think it's an interesting point that Hamish makes that, you know, why is it then, if it's apparently a sort of win-win, why is it that the board are seemingly sort of hesitant to engage with this? And for me, the answer to that is quite simple in that, you know, the, there has been a cost to bear by the pandemic. You know, the club would usually be able to uh, rely on season ticket money. Um, and really, for me, they have a choice at this point. The choice is for them to allow the fans to basically bear the brunt of the pandemic, paying £20, £25 million pounds in season ticket money for games they've not been able to attend. The ordinary punter paying out £500, a household paying over a grand um, you know, for a £90 stream. That's one option that they have to just allow it uh, to fall on the ordinary fan. But this proposal gives them the opportunity 
um, to make sure that doesn't happen. But what they would need to do is it would have an impact, uh, a very slight impact, as David said, on the heavy hitter investors. So for me, this is an issue of priorities. What matters most to the club? Is it the ordinary supporters that sustain the club year on year? Or is it the mega shareholders? And that's the, the fundamental question that the, the club have been asked to uh, consider with this proposal, in my opinion. And we'll find out where their priorities lie soon enough. Yeah, I'm just, just, just going to chip in just for a wee bit, not for a long, a long bit. The phrase that should be used, and it's been used twice already, is positive dynamic. This proposal creates a positive dynamic. This is proposals to help Celtic, eh, not to attack Celtic. And there's a few people have got to work out, you know, the difference between what's best for themselves and what's best for the club. That's what it all boils down to, because I've not yet met a Celtic fan yet that thinks it's a good thing for Celtic to do nothing. Because it'll cost, because there'll be a, a huge drop in season ticket sales if Celtic do nothing. So that doesn't seem to me like a good thing for Celtic. And so you've got to juxtapose whatever the word is, you know, what's good for Celtic. So we're trying to do something that's good for Celtic. And uh, nobody's come up with a, uh, anything to suggest that it's not good for Celtic, just that it might not be good for some people. Or, you know, we're not smart enough to handle shares and we'll dump them all in the market. You know, it's not really clever, is it? Yeah, come on, you we're going to come in yourself. Thanks very much. Yeah, no, just just following on from what was said there, and you know, in terms of catch, I don't really see one apart from what David and Paul have already touched on. Um, but just to, just to emphasise, I suppose, like, we didn't just pull this out of the sky. We didn't... You know, one day we didn't come up and think this is a way to trip, you know, this is a way to have a go at the club. This is actually the Celtic Trust trying to come with a, a constructive, a really positive way of addressing um, an issue that um, we're, we're not asking for anything out of the ordinary here. We're asking for the club to deliver on their commitment. And it's really important that we stress that this is the commitment the club made to their reliable, dedicated fans who always step into the breach. Um, and it's this gives this gives that uh, constructive, positive way of uh, creating a respectful relationship, and uh, and moving on to next season to uh, hopefully winning ways. But um, yeah, in a way that's not damaging to the club, but which I think can only build build positivity and build a respectful relationship between club and fans, um, and to be constructive. One of the biggest things we see on a or hear on a daily basis is that fractured relationship between the the club and the supporters. Uh, Hamish, I'm going to ask Natasha to update us with any comments that are coming in uh, before we wrap up this section. But I will come back to you because I appreciate that you didn't have much of an opportunity there, uh, as this discussion obviously is one that will rage on. Natasha, is there anything interesting coming in from the comments field? Yeah, there's a lot of comments coming in. So thanks to everyone who's watching across the social media channels. And remember, you can comment and we'll put them to the guys live. One of the ones that's come up a few times, I think, can be summarised with this one here. Is it not a concern that people will want or need financial compensation in order to pay for renewals next season as cash rather than shares? And shares are different to cash. We know that. So what can you say to answer the people who say, I don't want shares. What I want is a cash refund or something that I can put towards next year's season ticket. Yeah. The, the proposal that was actually put to the club is that shares be offered as an option. And so 
if they were minded to make um, you know, a cash refund, and I think lots of people have made the point that they change the terms and conditions and they wouldn't necessarily be obliged to make a cash refund and all of that. But if they were minded to put to make a cash refund as, as people actually make, you know, quite justifiably want to have, nothing in this proposal prevents them from doing that. It's about an option. It's about yeah. saying you have an option to do one or the other. And as you rightly say, it is also the case that if you have shares and you subsequently want to have cash, then you can sell them. But nothing that we're saying is preventing the club from offering a cash refund. I suppose that's what we would say to that. Just touching on the comment that's come up, which kind of leads on from that. Sorry, wrong one. Um, would you say that the Trust have plans in place to buy the shares from fans who would rather take the refund? So if there's fans who don't want shares and want the cash, if they instead do take the share, would Celtic share them or Celtic Trust then buy these shares off the fans? Yeah, through the limits of, of what we have. I mean, we have... Um, you know, a growing membership and that brings with it um, regular income. And we have already bought shares from fans who want to, to sell uh, shares. So, yeah, to, to the extent that we are, we can afford them up to the limits and, and, and each month there's more money coming in, we would, we would buy shares that became available in that way. Another question that we've had come up a few times is how do people join Celtic Trust or Celtic Shared? What would you say to the normal fan who likes what they're hearing, thinks it sounds great and wants to get involved? What would you say to them if they're listening right now? Well, I'll answer for Celtic Shared and I'll uh, Celtic Trust and I'll let, some, sure. I'll let Paul answer for Celtic Shared. <laughs> um, to join the Celtic Trust is really very straightforward. You go to the website www.celtictrust.net and you go, uh, you click on the link, and there's an FAQ that says, How do I become a member? And that explains the process. It's really straightforward. You simply register, and there's a subscription, which is the minimum of £5 a month, um, which is the membership fee. And that money is used to buy shares in the name of the trust and to run the organisation. So that's how you become a member of the trust. I'll just come over to you, Paul. What about Celtic Shared? How do people get involved in that? And what can someone listening do to, to be more involved? Yeah, so, I mean, we're always an entirely different type of organisation to the Trust. We're more a campaigning body. First of all, I just be urging people to join the Trust. You know, the more people join the Trust, the more shares can be bought, the more uh, power we can hopefully begin to acquire in the club that we all love. In terms of Celtic Shared, we're a campaigning body. Uh, obviously, we've been sort of very much focused on this proposal over the last month. Um, we don't have a sort of formal membership, but we do have uh, a list of supporters that we're in contact with via email and have another form of communication uh, linked up. So you'll be able to find our details on the Twitter account. Uh, get in touch. We'll be more than happy to include you uh, within a list of supporters um, and notify you of the things that we're campaigning on and hopefully, um, you know, it, add these to that list and we can do our best to work on your behalf as well Thanks Paul, we'll take one more from the comment section at the moment before we, we come back to you guys on the panel um, and this is coming on YouTube from Stephen What value of shares are the Trust looking to get back for each season ticket holder? Is that something that you've considered yet and what value would you put on that? I, mean, I don't think they put a value on it at all, I mean th that's really for the club to consider, what we did was we put the proposal to the, to the club in a manner 
that we thought was helpful. Uh, and as I say, we thought, you know, it was a win for the club and it was a win for the fans. Uh, and, we're, you know, we're waiting and then we come back. Their formal response to that. Uh, and it's really for them to put a value on it, I think. I mean, I don't think... I don't think you put a hard figure on it. Because different people will feel that... Yeah, they'll have a different view on what added value is and what they felt they were paying for and what they felt they got. And, you know, and everybody will think maybe differently for that. So, I mean, I think it would be fair to say that, you know, you know, we're waiting in the club to come back to a response. But what we did in good faith was put what we thought was a very good proposal, a fan-led proposal that came for, you know, a supporters' trust meeting as well, you know, the, uh, you know, discussed and, and agreed by the meeting with probably over 200 people there. Uh, so, you know, the ball's in the club sport in that regard, that's what I would say. Paul, just ask him in on that one, Natasha? Yeah, yeah, just briefly. Uh, I mean, obviously... Eddie's right in the sense that, um, you know, there's maybe not an exact figure and it's difficult to come to that. I think it's an important point to note, though, that on average, you know, people spent about £550 on their season ticket this season. Um, you know, most clubs of a similar size, stature, revenue across Europe haven't done what Celtic have done, charging full price, only to give fans a stream. So in terms of the value of the stream, Celtic TV is available to be brought, uh, you know, if you're... Uh, based in mainland Europe for £180 and you get every home and away game uh, of the league season for that. So we've got half of that. We've only been given the home games. So we've been given, you know, by Celtic's own uh, estimation, £90 in value, having spent over £500 each. And that's assuming there's only one person. So as much as there can be a discussion about, uh, you know, what the number would be, there's a, there's a deficit there that has to be addressed. And I think that's a key point to... Uh, point out. Thanks, Paul. We'll come to Hamish now, patiently waiting with questions. Um, Hamish, do you have your do you have your next one for the guys? Yeah, I've just got a couple of quick ones. It should hopefully be a wee bit easier to answer than the first one. Um, you may have kind of touched on it, just uh, that question. I think it was Stephen, um, the guy's name was on YouTube. Mm -hmm. um, I'm intrigued to know, you know, what what value, what, what total value of shares are we talking about here? Fifty thousand odd season tickets, I think the, the figure 25 million was mentioned earlier um, and roughly what would that equate to in the overall picture at Celtic um, and the other questions I'll just join to it um, you know, would each season ticket holder receive a standard number of shares or would it equate to you know, the amount of money they've paid for their season ticket because obviously there's, there's different prices, um, you know, it goes from I think a kids ticket at fifty pounds up to probably you know six hundred seven hundred pounds. Yeah, well, I'll I'll have a go at that one. So, as Eddie Toner said earlier, these matters are up to Celtic. Our proposal is designed, and I keep coming back to it, create a positive dynamic. The extent of the extent of that positive dynamic, it will, will is decided by the club whether they want to make it 50 quid, 100 quid or 200 quid or, or nothing. You know, if it's nothing, you know, you might only sell 30,000 tickets. If it's 100, 200 or whatever, you know, it's uh, to create a positive dynamic with the objective of selling 50,000 season tickets for the new challenge with the new manager so that the manager has as much money as possible uh, to spend on the rebuilding of the team. But these are all matters for the club to consider. They're all directors and 
you know, that they're, they're paid to make these decisions. We've come up with a proposal. We want to discuss it with them, but it's all to do with a positive dynamic. Having said that, number one, you don't know what the, the, the amount of refund is. Number two, you don't know what percentage of people would take up the refund because there's lots of Celtic fans. There might even be some in this uh, this program tonight that don't want anything. There might be some that want cash. There might be some that just don't renew. You don't know because we're a broad church uh, and, and a, a wide spectrum. So it's impossible to tell. And you can speculate, you know, if it's 200 quid and half of them went for it, you know, that's like six and a quarter million, which is one and a half barcases, you know. So uh, it's impossible to put a number uh, on it. But the objectives, the positive dynamic, sort of change the trajectory of where we are. We're in a horrible space at the moment. We want to start looking up and start looking forward. And we're trying to come up with proposals to facilitate that. Excellent, David. Thanks for that. Does anyone have any anything to add to Hamish's final couple of points here? Just that bit about the positive dynamic. I mean, um, I was saying earlier about the importance of it being constructive. And it's, look, it's been a hell of a season. I mean, we, we've all been really angry and spitting, spitting fetters at times. But, you know, it's important to take that anger and then work with it. If, if if we just continually, you know, keep keep giving out and keep giving out, that can get toxic in its own way. But it's about moving forward now and taking that, taking our experience of the last year and and using it constructively. And that's what this proposal has has been all about. It's, it's bringing something that um, bringing something constructive to work and move forward. And I understand why uh, people are asking some of that detail. And I understand why Hamish is you know relaying that to us. But I think what people need to understand is that this is a proposal in principle. So yeah. whatever it is, whatever amount it is that you think that you owe us, in a sense, we want you to make an offer in terms of shares. We want you to offer us shares because the more people who take up shares, the less money comes out of the club. Whatever that value is, and, and that's not something that we could insist on. We could talk about what the range of that might be. So it might be 550 minus 90. So maybe from there downwards. Um, but I think the key thing that I would hope that Hamish would take back to the people, um, you know, that that, that read his um, website and, and and listen to his podcast, which is very good, um, should uh, should uh, uh, take is that these are all things to be discussed once the thing is agreed in principle. So that, that that's yeah, that's the important point. Brilliant. Now, Kev and Hamish, you've both been very patient there because obviously once this discussion starts, uh, there is so much to get through that uh, you were able to sit for about 20 minutes each there and just uh, soak it all in. Kev, thank you very much for joining us and representing North Coast Celtic. Hamish, uh, same to yourself from 67 Hail Hail Media. Uh, everybody tune into these guys' uh, content online. Now, what I'm going to do is say goodbye to our two uh, contributors here and we'll bring in the next two. So thanks very much and hopefully we'll speak to you again soon, guys. Now, coming into the discussion, we hope to have another three guests. At the moment, I can confirm that we have um, Andrew Mill from More Than 90 Minutes. Andrew also uh, hosts the Celtic Soul 
podcast as well. Some tremendous guests on that recently. And we also have, I think it'll be Andy from Four Tims. I won't know until he comes onto the screen, but you can correct me if I'm wrong. But first of all, welcome Andrew Milne to the discussion. How are you, Andrew? All right. You hear me? Yeah, all good. Uh, we can see you and hear you. And also, is it Andy from Four Tims? Uh, is that how are we doing? Uh, we're good, we're good Andy. Now, you've been sitting there patiently listening to the discussion. I'll come to Andrew Moon first and foremost. Andrew, uh, obviously you've got a big uh, readership and also a big audience online as well. What kind of thoughts are coming through to yourself? What queries or concerns um, have been raised to you? Everything's been positive, very positive. Um, there's a bit of toxic uh, on Twitter, but generally everyone is positive with this because there is a, no other show. There's no other show in town. No one has proposed anything. The club have proposed nothing. The club, it, it will be a goodwill gesture if they offer the shares, the season bill holders, because I believe legally they, they don't have to. But I think after the season we've had, it would be a very nice gesture as we go in now to the next season and a new chapter. I think that's an interesting point, Andrew. You know, bringing up the legalities, Paul Quigley, I'll come to yourself. Uh, we're talking about a positive dynamic uh, this evening around, you know, the fact that we are going to be trying to pitch season tickets to the same season ticket holders that we're referring to. Um, what would you say would happen if the club dug their heels in here and started quoting legalities? Um, and as Andrew Milne says, rather than look at the, the goodwill gesture and build some bridges here. Well, look, uh, we all know that the club changed the terms and conditions, um, you know, prior to people uh, signing the renewals. That isn't news to anyone, though I do understand that the trust are maybe looking in or were looking into the legality, legal aspect. But I don't think this is a legal argument. You know, I don't think that that is a good, uh, that anyone wants to go down, you know, legal challenges, um, you know, lawyers, that type of dispute. For me, the club have a moral obligation to their supporters, and that stems from meetings held by supporters' organisations last summer. Uh, so I was party to some of those meetings, as with Jeanette, um, by the main five or six uh, supporters' organisations met with the club last summer, round about the time when we were discussing what the new season might look like in you know, this new COVID world that we were living in. Now, at the time when we had those meetings, you know, uh, restrictions were just beginning to loosen slightly after the first lockdown. And what was happening was there was a discussion, there was a bit of naivety, a bit of optimism that we thought, you know, five or six games will maybe not be in uh, the stadium and then you'll start seeing an easing back to football as we know and love it. Uh, so when we met the club, what had happened was there was a discussion around that and what we were discussing along with the other fan was, look, if we miss six games, the fans should get those six games back. Either one or two games free, if they keep buying their season ticket until that is sort of squared off. And uh, that was the kind of general principle of the meeting that, you know, there, there had to be uh, maintaining the value of the season ticket. Fans had to get equal value for the money they put in. And there was consensus. There was consensus among the fan orgs, uh, consensus with the club as well, who understood uh, and accepted that position. Uh, but what they did say is that they couldn't tell us how that would be uh, you know, manifested, how would they put that into action? Because at that point, we didn't know how long it would be before fans get back in the stadium. Uh, and what they agreed to do was they to consult fan organisations um, as we, you know, went through the season and when it became apparent 
at when fans would be allowed back in. Obviously, you know, it's, it's obvious to everyone that fans uh, aren't going to be back in. It's been clear for some time that there wouldn't be fans there at all. So the club have had quite a lot of time now to prepare for how they will uh, provide that value that they promised fan organisations last summer. And it was after that meeting that the club uh, put out their statement whereby they said that fans could be rest assured uh, that they would receive value for the season. But fans could be rest assured. Um, and for me, uh, that is the, the key part in terms of the obligation that Celtic have. It's not a legal obligation. Nobody wants to take Celtic to court. Nobody's interested in you know, that type of fight. Um, but for me, having been in those meetings and part of what were constructive discussions, you know, it wasn't, it was no animosity, it wasn't confrontational. Uh, for me, the club have a responsibility to live up to the world. Thanks very much for that, Paul. Can I, can I jump in just after that as well? Yeah, it yes, was, um, as, as just, it is that moral imperative, I feel, and, and that treating fans with respect on the terms and conditions bit, the legality of it. Um, there's, I've seen that bit of an attitude of you signed up for a tough take your take your medicine, but I just like you know, it's one thing when you walk into a shop and you're buying a mobile phone and I choose between whatever Nokia or my Samsung or my whatever. When I when I'm when I'm uh, I wasn't sitting down last summer with an application with a season ticket form for Celtic and a season ticket form for Kilmarnock, making up my mind on which one I was going to go for, you know. Where Celtic fans, there was only ever going to be one, one, one choice here. There's an element of they had us over a barrel. Like there was only one, there was only one decision I was going to make there, and that was completing that form and signing up for the season ticket. So there is that little bit of a, there is that moral obligation I believe coming in from that. Yeah, but just well, John, just to touch on you, your point as well about the club, you know, the, the, the club might try and play hardball here and say legally you're doing nothing. And but do you, does anybody realistically expect that the club are going to do that on the back of, you know, what's just happened? They don't have a manager. One of our most historic seasons ever. It could have been one of our most historic seasons ever. We just got it all wrong. Everything went wrong. We don't know if we're getting back into the stadium next season in any capacity or whether it'll be 10,000 or 20,000 or 5,000. Or... Does anybody seriously expect that in the next couple of weeks, on the back of doing nothing, they're going to be posting out season ticket renewals and 50,000 people are going to put their hands in their pockets again or, or, or sign the checkbooks and say, there you are, and we're going to back you. 50,000 people probably backed them last year on the on the hope of 10 in a row. Given the, given, the whole, given the whole COVID uh, message and whether we're getting into the season and stuff like that, realistically, are households with three season ticket holders going to realistically pay the best part of £2,000 again to watch another dodgy stream? I mean, if we've got a board of management sitting in the, you know, at the club at the moment thinking, oh, let's just go again because the panel will back us, come on, they're deluded if that's the case. So they're going to have to come up with something. And and we keep going back. That's for me, for them, you know. You know, we, we we put this on a plate for them, and you know, it's no rocket science. They could do this in a heartbeat if they wanted to. 
No, absolutely, Eddie. Now, I, I want to introduce to the free uh, Scott from the Homeboys. Welcome in, Scott. Sorry we kept you so long in the waiting room. You're very patient. Um, and Andrew Milne, we will come back to you. We'll get the other guys' views before coming back to you, yourself, Andrew, and then looking at some of the comments as well. Uh, but Andy from Four Times in a Podcast, good to see you, Andy. Uh, you joined us at Christmas time when we were wrapping up quadruple trebles. <laughs> Uh, what's your audience been saying all around this Celtic shared, uh, shares for value proposal? No, just having us on. Um, we've obviously, we've spoken at great length on the podcast. Well, we've asked fans to write in emails a lot. And to be entirely honest, um, a lot's probably been made or said rather about certain people within both shared and trust. Um, and it always comes back to a lot of these points. Um, you know, I've spoke with Paul um, at great length about this, and the reality is, a lot of people find it hard to trust. If you sort of pardon the pun, there's, there's a cause for concern with a lot of people in the faces of these organisations. It's something that keeps coming up for us. And I know it's been mentioned in passing that yeah, people can be voted out, these things can happen, people can be manoeuvred about. But how do how is this going to be addressed? Because the reality is, for major movement to happen here with both these organisations. People need to buy in. People need to buy into the cause. They need to buy into the people at the forefront. You need to believe in it. And we get a lot of feedback that they just don't at the minute. So how how do you look at addressing that? Um, I mean, even looking at us in the podcast, we have arguments about it. Um, and a lot of it does boil into that. And I can see where they come from in terms of if you're going to put your support behind something, you need to believe in the people who are leading the charge essentially and that is the people in these positions so without it beginning to look political which I feel it probably is, how are you planning addressing it? Thanks for that Andy, I'll throw it out to the, the panel uh, of the Celtic Trust Celtic Shared, so who wants to pick up on that first and foremost, um, anyone who isn't buying into the, the figureheads if you like or those at the front end uh, sharing this message, how do you deal with that? Well, who's well, going to answer it? You want me yeah, to answer I'll, it? Or? <laughs> well, I'll, I'll jump in first. Um, okay. I'm slightly confused about the question because the issue is around whether you think this is a good proposal. This is not a campaign to join the Celtic Trust, although obviously we would like people to join the Celtic Trust. But if it was a campaign to join the Celtic Trust, then I would kind of understand why people would be saying... Right, oh, I don't know about the trust because I don't know about this one or that one that's involved with it. But when it's, a camp, when it's around a particular proposal, the proposal is the proposal. It's very clear. There's no secrets. There's nothing. It doesn't actually, if it was accepted by Celtic, if it was supported by fans and accepted by Celtic, that would not in itself make the Celtic Trust more powerful. So you wouldn't be handing power to the Celtic Trust because these shares would go into the hands of season ticket holders and that would be who would have them and they could either choose to vote them with the Celtic Trust and EGM or not or they could either be in the Celtic Trust or not. So I don't really see the connection between what you think about a proposal and what you think about figureheads of organisations. I don't want to be seen to be dodging your question so if you want me to say about figureheads of organisations, well... Frankly, organisations set up their stalls. They say, this is what we are, this is our principles, this is how, this is how we organise as a democracy, this is how you can get involved. And if people are elected into positions and do their job, you either decide 
that the organize you might not like a particular individual, but the organisation itself seems to be positive in doing what you like. You join and 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 have your say, or you decide I don't want anything to do with that organisation because I don't like X or Y. I think that might leave you with very few organisations to join, to be honest, because <laughs> there'll be very few organisations where you like everybody. Um, so that's my answer to that. It isn't about individuals. This yeah. proposal is most certainly not about individuals or organisations, but organisations, it's not about individuals. If they're democratic, if they're democratic, yeah. it's not about individuals. Yeah. Yeah, when it comes to a Celtic, everybody's got opinion and everything. And everybody can do it better than the guy that's doing it. That's Celtic, you know, that's the way it's always been. And when the critics of a proposal start shooting the messenger, you know you've got a good proposal. Because I've not heard anybody anywhere uh, in the Celtic uh, stratosphere come up with a plausible uh, negative s story about what's, what our, our proposal to Celtic is. So... But if people start resorting to personalities, you know you've won the argument. Uh, and they're always very sleek at, you know. So I, I don't really know what you're talking about. I can only speak for myself. I use a dramatic example. If somebody said, if Celtic said, we'll give everybody the option of taking 200 shares uh, in the club if you get rid of that bastard low, I'd be going like a shot, you know. So it's nothing to do with the personalities. As Jeanette says, it's all about the proposal. That's all it is. You can either uh, like it or dislike it, but if you don't like it, you, you, you should really explain where you don't like it rather than trying to shoot the messengers. I mean, again, in, in, in speaking on behalf of the Celtic Trust, the Celtic Trust are no new to this. The Celtic Trust have been around for a long, long time, uh, and their membership has fluctuated, uh, and they've been active in a number of things over the, you know, over the years, and their membership has gone up and down. Uh, Celtic Trust are, as Jeanette just to reiterate what Jeanette says, they're, they're a democratic organisation. Their trustees are elected by the members at AGM. The trustees are accountable to the members at the members' meetings and at the AGM. And it's the members of the trust who determine the trust policy. And, who de and, and like this proposal, it was an ordinary member of the trust who came, came up with the proposal and it was agreed and voted on to say unanimously by probably a meeting with over 200 people there. So, you know, there's a democracy, a democracy there. There's an openness and there's an accountability. People want to join the trust, then get involved. And you decide who your trustees are going to be. You decide who the office bearers are going to be. You decide what the policy the trust is going to be. You encourage you know, other people they either get involved in back. And the Celtic Trust make no bones about who they are or what they are. The Celtic Trust are, a, you know, a fan-based organisation with an ultimate aim of increasing fan ownership in the club. That's fundamentally why we exist. You know, I've yet to meet, you know, an ordinary punter or an ordinary Joe who doesn't think that's a good idea. You know, so I, I don't get where the, you know, there's always antipathy to individuals. I remember when I go back into my former days when I was the secretary of the Supporters Association, you know, you'd be asked all sorts of questions and you'd be invited to speak in TV platforms and in different places. And you go, you inevitably go to, who does he think he is? He's not talking for me. 
Who do they think they are? They're not speaking on behalf of me. We never claimed to speak on behalf of anybody other than the members of the Supporters Association at that time. You know, because again, they were, they were a democratic organisation whose members formulated policy and who we took views and stuff, and then we, we advanced those views in the public forum. Now, we only spoke on behalf of those members, and the trust do the same thing. So, you know, if people, if people support the principles of what the trust is all about and get involved, if you don't like the individuals, get involved even more. Put your head above the parapet. Stand for election. Help determine the policy. Help shape it. It's open. It's not a closed shop. Never has been. Thanks very much for that, Eddie. Yeah. Now, I mean, I'm just going to ask Paul before we move on if Paul wants to throw anything else in from the Celtic shared perspective as well on that. I mean, what Andy said, I think the point, one of the big things for me, Andy, I think it's engagement. We, you know, we've been uh, critical of the club for a lack of engagement. And I think if the Celtic Trust and Celtic shared come on platforms like this, answer questions candidly, I think that helps, you know, if there are any concerns. Uh, from my own perspective, I, I don't know that we've had a lot of sort of criticism um, personally, although the night is young, I've not checked the chats that are going alongside this, I'll maybe see that when we're done. But what you have seen, uh, I guess, when we launched the campaign was, look, there's no point being pressured about it, uh, about it because there's a lot of people out there who don't like the Green Brigade. And that's fine. You know, we've got, we understand that, we accept that. But we've been clear from the beginning that what I would hope, even though we've got a diverse range of opinion and support, um, you know, lots of people from yeah, with different ideas and different understandings of what Celtic should be, what I would hope is that there is a unifying strand there and that I would hope most ordinary supporters uh, hold on to the belief that Celtic fans should have more of a say in how our club is run. Uh, and if you believe that, hopefully you can put aside your dislike for the group or put aside any other issues that you might have and back this proposal. Um, and that's, you know, what we've been saying since, you know, we kind of got started a few months ago. And that will be our issue, uh, our, uh, message going forward as well. Thanks for that, Paul. Now, I might have interrupted yourself, Cormac. Were you going to add something in there before I brought Paul into the conversation? Yeah, no, it's okay, Paul. Um, I, I can I can vouch that I definitely won't be reading back through any comments on this anyway. Um, but um, no, it was it was just regarding the openness of the of the structures. I mean, I can vouch for that personally. I mean, I'm I'm a relative newcomer to the trust, and here here, here I am in their in their wisdom. They've seen fit to let me loose on the internet tonight. You know, so I mean, that's I think that's a really good. It's a very healthy. Uh, reflection on the the, the organisation, and I think it, you know going forward, it'd be it'd be great as a way of doing this. Where you know we didn't do this as a as a softball puff piece type uh, you know interview. Like we we put a bit of work in preparing this and inviting all all the as many difficult questions as possible through the podcasts um, who are with us, and also as as yourselves will be facilitating the the, the contributions from the, the listeners. Um, but I think that's the way to go. You know, it's be be ready, for, be prepared to hear criticism, take it on board, and like that, no more than my own experience. There's a place here for everyone, like every Celtic fan. In terms of an, an actual vibrant fan activism, there's a place for every Celtic fan. Everyone has their part to play. You know, so um, if you have, it's, it's no good just sitting in your living room getting angry and 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 kicking <laughs> kicking the door. You know, um, if you feel passionate about it. Get involved, go for it. That's you know that 
there's nothing more I can really add to that. But no, in terms of just the 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 organization and the structural integrity, if you like, of the trust. Um, I th- I think this tonight is testament to it. Um, and I can just I just wanted to add my own experience as as maybe evidence of that. Thanks very much, Cormac. Now, Scott, again, apologies for keeping you waiting there down on the, the bottom right. You're representing the Homeboys, a long-standing uh, voice of many, many Celtic fans online. What's the kind of feedback you've had? Have you got any queries that you want to raise with the panel tonight? See, to be honest, um, I'm going to sound like a, a bit of a creep here, right? Um, I, I had queries and you guys have answered them all. Right, and 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 I'll be brutally honest and say I, I, I understand it. And I, I, I came into this and I would say I thought it was a bit flimsy. I didn't, but you guys have, have set down exactly the queries with regards what it's about, what it's for. I've still got some Celtic shared things, but I've I've been in the meetings and I'll direct them to Paul. So tonight, just now, I am just kind of here to show back to you Paul for, and Natasha for hosting this and to the trust as um, as you say I'm the representative for the homeboys we, we are big backers of the, the Celtic Trust and we have been for a long long time um, I mean I might have Jason flung me a couple of questions in late on but I don't know but um, but just honest, honestly we it, there has been a bit of confusion and, and it always stemmed around exactly what you guys have been talking about what is the club's point? What is the club's stance? And and that was my query. But I now understand that we're getting into the club and we're giving them an option, right? So so I don't want to labour on anymore. I, I, I'm, I'm happy this has happened tonight. I've saw some of the, the negative reaction. Just, haters are going to hate. I think I think what you guys are what you guys have offered and what you guys have suggested is a good option. They, they might tell you to go and shove it, but I think it's a fantastic option and it, and it strengthens it strengthens us as Celtic supporters. And I can't even see that being a bad thing, to be perfectly honest. So, um, nothing else to add. Over and out. <laughs> Thank you very much, Scott. Are you going to stay with us for the rest of the show? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a nosy yeah. big self Good man. Um, there will be loads of comments coming in, so I will go back yeah. to Natasha in a moment or two. I'm just wondering, Andy, you, you raised one question, Andrew Milne. Um, you praised the you praised this movement as well. I'll come at yourself first, Andrew Milne. Is there anything else you want to raise before we get onto the comments? Yeah, I just want to um, go back to Andy's point, and I maybe I can reinforce some, some of his listeners because um, the reason I joined the trust was if I can just go back a little further. Put, our supporters club started with three Caesar books. We, and the re, the reason why I joined the club was it wasn't going to be affiliated to any of the associations. Because, can you hear me? Yep. All can good this end, Andrew. I'm just getting feedback. Yeah. And the reason why I joined the club was because I'd seen in other clubs the trouble over tickets, trouble over different affiliations, internal fighting, arguments on boats. So when we formed the club, and everybody was saying it was, you're mad because you won't get away tickets because the associations control the away tickets. And I said, we, we'll fight our way up. We, we'll, we'll beg and borrow. That club now is at 120 season booths. It's still not affiliated to anything. But we do have members within that club who are members of the Celtic Trust. I joined the Celtic Trust because I believe in fan ownership. Just, I can tell people there's no egos in that trust. 
Eagles don't go to Edinburgh day in, day out to defend fans. Eagles don't defend the Amsterdam fans and get them a top solicitor. Eagles don't, you know, they don't go out to make a name. You wouldn't join the trust if you wanted to, you know, be in the, like, fan media. Because I've been involved in fan media for 20 years. You don't have any say. We used to go to a club meeting with, with, with all the fanzines and the early podcasts and the forums. And once you speak out against the club, you're blocked. You're banned. You're not invited back. And that's going to happen now because they've, they've now invited the podcasts into press conferences. Once a, a podcast speaks up and, and it's not what the club likes, they'll go out. So as, as a fan media, I don't have a say. As a member of that supporters club, but 120 season books, I don't have a say. You don't have a say with a season book. Protesting outside the ground, it didn't work. All the podcasts, you know, complaining about managers, it didn't work. The manager was sacked because of results, not because of what we've done. The only say we will have is if we have shares. And as their share, as, as the trust as a unit, and small shareholders who may not be members of the trust, one contacted me today and says, I don't want to be in the trust, but I want to vote with you. And I said, yeah, that's fine. And I put them in contact with someone. Unless we have a small percentage of the club and we can speak at AGMs, we won't be heard. And we can go on to the likes of this podcast and talk all day. They don't care. They only care about shareholders. And if we want a voice in Celtic Park, we need to be in as shareholders. Strong words from Andrew Milne. Excellent. Thanks for that, Andrew. Would anyone like to uh, pick up on that from the Celtic Trust? Some very positive words coming in from Andrew Milne. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'll just say something brief then. Uh, just to close off what Scott was saying earlier, again, I've got to keep keep it simple. This is a proposal to create a positive dynamic, and the hope is it helps sell 50,000 season tickets to give the new manager as much money as possible. That's all it's about. That's all it's ever been about. And if Celtic come up with something better, great. But at the moment, we've put this proposal. We've said from the outset, we'll discuss it any time, any clarification you want, any time. And uh, the detail's up to them. So it's all about doing what's best for Celtic, keeping the money in Celtic uh, and having as much money as possible for the manager. And it's about nothing else. That's all it's about. And it's possible because the conditions were created by the board in December last year. Uh, owning shares in the club is, is, is owning part of the club. And uh, Andrew Milne's right. That's how you have a say. So the more shareholders we have, the, the better that is, the more democratic that is. And there's nothing that anybody should be scared of in creating uh, improving that situation. It's all positive as far as uh, we are concerned. Thanks very much. Paul, just, just to go back to Andy's point as well, but about you know the the scepticism, if you like, among some his uh, listeners, the followers, uh, the people who you know sort of on his podcast. I can only tell you my experience, you know, and I've lived in the probably the nerve centre, if you like, it Celtic Trust for, for, for years and years. Uh, there aren't any hidden agendas, you know. 
the, the trust, as I say, have been on the go a long, long time. They've been active in a number of things, and I think Andrew, you know, very eloquently touched on a number of the point the, the campaigns that the trust have been supportive of over the years, and that took up a lot of time for the trust. And their numbers were small. In the, in the sort of, you know, there were times when all the energies went into either the Damn Justice campaign or or FAC or the campaign about, you know, getting Celtic to acknowledge the the, the, the fair wage, uh, the living wage. And, really, and then, as I say, numbers was restricted. And maybe one of the great to get my message across because all our time was taken up when about those campaigns. The trust have moved on since then and recently, you know, and, and, and partly. I mean, I, I suspect one of the things that people are suspicious of is that the likes of David Lowe appear on, on the scene for the Trust in recent years. And, and I'll be honest, I'll be up front and say, I had my suspicions because, you know, David, Dave, David's, David's well-known in the Celtic family. He's been around for a long, long time. Uh, he knew about David's uh, connections with Fergus and all the stuff he was involved in and about that. You know, and I think all of a sudden... David Lowe wants to pitch up and, you know, and get active in the trust. What's going on? What, what, you know, and having sat in the sidelines, I've sort of started and, and watched that develop over the over the last year or so. I can only take David at base value. David, David Lowe is involved with the trust as a Celtic supporter as much as I am or anybody else in this platform or listening to this platform is. David Lowe wants to advance the idea of more of the fan owning shares in Celtic because he believes that that's what he was all about in 1994 and that's what the campaigns were all about then. So I can only use my experience uh, in terms of some of the suspicions I may be doing about that. But other than that, about the sort of, you know, the politics and what the trust are all about, we're an open book and there are no hidden agendas as far as I'm concerned. Uh, if people have got anything they want to raise ways then get in touch with us, we're, we're open, we'll always give you a response. Uh, the people I know who are behind the trust and who are backing the trust are doing it for one thing only. It's because we're all the electors and we all want the best for Celtic. And it's as simple as that. Thank you very much, I think, Eddie. I think yeah, clear, you go. yeah, I think what's clear for me in all of this is that the Celtic fans have something to offer. The Celtic fans really, really have something to offer, not just as customers to kind of put up and shut up, but that we can actually contribute to the club um, as as active, empowered participants in, in the fabric of the club. Um, so coming on just from what Andrew said there earlier, that's that's clear for me in this. This proposal, it's it's a proposal from fans in the shape in the shape of the Celtic Trust. So that's that's all I had to add in there is that the fans have something to offer as active participants though, not just as not just as passive customers to put up and shut up. Absolutely, Cormac. I think uh, events like this evening, you know, Q&A live, bringing people in, not only to, to participate, but to comment, and we'll get to the comments in a second, is a great way of uh, basically, as you say, fronting it up, answering any queries, any concerns, allaying any fears. Uh, but I'm also aware, Andy, that I only got one question from yourself at the four Tims. Is there anything else uh, you wish to put to the panel tonight? Yeah, I, so... Obviously, in terms, of early, I think earlier on, I think somebody brought it up that probably a problem the news that a lot of smaller shareholders are inactive. There's a lot of shares that maybe sort of they maybe bought or gained years ago and they don't really bother about. Um, I would imagine, or probably assuming, one of the 
some members can correct me if I'm wrong, that the, the ultimate goal would be that if fans that take up the share option, if it was given, but a club that they would then sort of unite them um, behind sort of the one goal, sort of put them into the trust or whatever it may be, I would imagine that that's probably a goal. No, probably a sort of double barrel question in terms of what would be, how would it be put across in such a way that, because I mean, there's no guarantees if you take any fan that they're going to actually use these share strength, they might just want them to be that that, that next fan, the same as all the other ones who already don't have shares that say, I want part of Selic. Don't want to do it, mate. Don't really care. Don't want to get anybody. I just want to hold it. What's to stop that becoming another danger? As it already is, and I think something that was discussed um, on one of our old um, previous episodes when sort of this uh, shared issue came out, and um, it was proposed at first was that there's an argument to be made that we're only in this position because of the mess that two people who are now gone are going to be gone for the club made, um, and that a lot of fans, if and hopefully things pick up and sort of get back to where we all think they should be. If that happens, fans are probably potential and that they don't really want it to happen. They think that it would be fine because they've righted their wrongs and there's new people in, sort of Dave McKay, things like that. What would be the danger of that happening? Is there going to be... How would you answer those questions for fans? No, oh, excellent uh, points you raise. I'm going to come up to yourself, Paul. I feel as though I've not spoken to you for a wee while, so I'll come up to you first. Um, but I, I've said quite a lot of times, you know, success masks uh, a million deficiencies at times. So uh, I know exactly where Andy's coming from there. If we start winning again, start winning trophies again, a lot of fans will just switch off from initiatives and uh, proposals such as this. Well, what I'll do is I'll answer Andy's second question, if that's all right with him, and then the first one can be passed over to the Trust because that's probably more for them to sort of consider. Uh, it's, it's definitely something we've been getting on the Celtic Shared account quite a lot as well, Andy, about, you know, if we had won the league, would this still be an issue? And the point I would make is this was an issue last summer. You know, this was first phase with the club before a ball had been kicked um, because there was likely going to be a, a kind of value deficit there. Now, obviously the season's not going as any of us had hoped, but what it has done, in my opinion as well, it's shown um, exactly why there is a need for fans to be able to hold people to account. And you're right, you know, hopefully you know, uh, new CEO, hopefully a new manager appointed soon um, and we all want to see the club moving forward. But for me, it isn't just a case of you know, if the club start doing well, you forget about this. For me, this is one of the key ways that the club can move forward um, to progress, to rebuild the squad, all the rest of it. Uh, so for me, regardless of how the team's playing, there's a principle here that stems from a commitment made to the supporters' organisations last summer. Uh, and I can, uh, people can, you know, have their say, certainly. I can absolutely assure you that um, this issue would still have been raised one way or another by the fan organisations who were promised um, that value would be given last summer. Now, whether or not it would get to this point, I don't know, because obviously people's minds would maybe be elsewhere if they were uh, you know, heading out to celebrate a legal title win, etc. Uh, but on principle, this absolutely will, would still have been brought up. Um, and I think that for me, it can be used as a springboard to future success rather than... When we do it, back to winning ways, 
it's some, it means that this can just be forgotten about. That's not the way I think this should be understood. But I'll let Jeanette, David, Eddie, whoever came in if they want on the kind of first question about, um, you know, that's more from a trust perspective, I guess. Yeah. Uh, the, the shares, yeah. A quick comment on the bit you've just answered, Paul. You know, I'll use a, a Fergus McCann cliche. You know, money doesn't guarantee success, but no money guarantees no success. Uh, the, the trust proposal, the positive dynamics to try and sell, help sell as many season tickets as possible, and that's bringing money into the club. More money into the club than will be the case if the club does nothing or less. So that's what it's all about, and that means that the new manager, the new director of football, the new the new team, you know, will have as much money as we can help them generate. So that's what we're about as far as the proposal is concerned. When it comes to the shares, there's two types. You mentioned two types of shareholders. There's well, it's, it's worthwhile saying that the vast majority of shares were purchased in 1995. Uh, they were purchased what's called off-the-page, an application form. And the Trust did a survey last year whereby it became obvious that these Celtic shares are the only shares uh, that the, these fans bought and are likely to be the only shares that they buy. And that share certificate sort of went in, in a drawer. Now, of, the, of all those fans, you know, some are active and vote uh, at AGMs uh, and, and, and go to AGMs yeah, and a, and a whole lot just don't do anything, they're passive that's the same as it is in every company that's quoted on the, on the stock exchange most shareholders are passive activists are the minority so you know the trust will be sort of working hard to try and uh, get as many uh, shareholders as possible involved in the club that they own and they support and that's got to be a good thing as well. Nobody can seriously criticise that. Why I got involved in the trust was in the, was in the first bit. Over the years, uh, people move or flit. And the Celtic shares is the last thing they probably think of when they're doing that. So what that means is it has a cumulative effect. And over the years, more and more fans become disconnected or, or lose contact with their shares. They don't get any correspondence from the club. Uh, accounts, uh, voting, sl AGM slips, even dividends for the preference shares. And what that means is that uh, they can't vote. And if they can't vote, that means that those that are able to vote have a greater percentage of the club. And this is exactly what's happened. Uh, our survey suggests that up to 20% up to of the Celtic shares owners have lost contact with their shares. That means 20% of the club have, are dead votes. So that means if you've got 40% of the club, in reality, you've got 50% because it's 50% of those that can vote. And this is not democratic and this is not healthy. And that's why last year the club, uh, sorry, the trust, uh, came up with the idea of this frequently asked questions that was referred to. And I have to say we worked with Celtic on that. Uh, we think it should have been promoted more, but that's basically something that the, the trust can claim credit for. The other thing, of course, is dividends, unclaimed dividends. Every year, a dividend's paid. And if a dividend check's not cashed for two years, now you, a, a, a row it goes into the untraced box. And over the years, that adds up. And that means a whole lot of shareholders are not getting money that belongs to them. So we, we've sort of worked behind the scenes to a significant degree in all of this. But it's all designed to uh, get 
Celtic fans involved with their club. You know, we are the club, and if you own shares in the club, you own part of the club. And all our initiatives are designed to uh, help facilitate greater share ownership and greater involvement of fans in the club. And again, that's that's beyond criticism. So nothing controversial in any of this. Uh, it's just something that's been neglected for a few years. And we are trying to help uh, help uh, get rid of that neglect and get back on an even keel and get the fans owning as much of the club as possible, which was the original objective of Fergus McCann in the 1990s. That's why I'm involved. That's why this guy Lowe's involved, Eddie. <laughs> Andy, um, some brilliant feedback there from Paul and David. Uh, do you feel your question's been covered in enough detail there? Is there anything else you would like to add in response to that? Uh, no, it was just that obviously that probably fed into where the, the first question came from in terms of it would seem logical that the trust, if this was given, that they would want fans to then sort of come together and back them through that, through their own sort of channel, and whatever way that may be, they'll know more than I do. And I think that that's where a lot of the queries came when we asked the question to a lot of people in terms of, that, right, OK, if, if we do go for this, but going, the trust are really the only sort of vehicle there is out there for Celtic fans for that to happen. And that's why the questions were coming up because people probably, it was said earlier, that a lot of stuff was neglected. People probably don't understand it. They don't understand how it works. They don't understand anything sort of great in depth other than what's put out. So that was probably where both the questions sort of fed into each other and a, a lot of sort of the discussions we've had came around. So Hopefully, for our listeners, that's cleared up some of their queries or answered some of their questions. Um, so, aye, just for that. Right. No, that's excellent. And, you know, I'm aware, Natasha, you are looking through the comments, which can be a full-time job at times. Is there anything interesting before we wrap up the, the debate, anything that's coming through? Yeah, there are a couple of questions I want to touch on that we've been seeing a bit of a recurring theme coming through. And, you know, people are saying, this is great, we like the idea, and maybe they're being overly optimistic. Um, But, for example, are we not jumping the gun with this proposal? Should we not wait and see what the club are going to do? Will they reduce the price of the season tickets? Now, is this being overly optimistic, and how long will we wait for the club? What would you say to someone who says that it should be the other way around, that we should wait and see what they propose before coming up with ideas of our own? Well, the, the problem with that is that the club agreed last June that, we, that they would discuss with the final organisations exactly what the proposal would be. And they agreed to do that and they, they made that statement public on the 23rd of June that that's what they would do. So it would be, would be, wouldn't make sense then for us to sit and wait, so wait to see. Sorry, that's my dog back. <laughs> um, it wouldn't make sense then for us to say, well, we'll just wait and see what they come up with, because in actual fact, that wasn't the agreement. The agreement between the club and seven Celtic supporters organisations was that they would discuss with us what they would do to address that issue. Um, that's why we've come up with a proposal, because we're trying to be proactive and positive about it. And, and if the club wants to come back and say, no, we've got a different proposal, then great, you know, and it will be up for the fans to think about what that might be and, and have that conversation. But the club hasn't come up with another proposal, and, and actually neither has anybody else. So 
so you have a problem because if you genuinely believe that the club is going to come out and say, yeah, we're going to knock 100 or 200 quid or whatever off the season ticket in a season where it's where money is going to be, every penny will be a prisoner for mine. You know, if they genuinely think that, I think they're deluded. I don't think the club can afford to do that uh, and still have any prospect of sort of, you know, pushing forward next season and trying to right the wrongs of last season. I don't think they can afford to do that. But the other thing about that is there's been a whole debate raging all season amongst the Celtic supporters about the inadequacy of what they were getting for their money and, and the poor stream, the poor access, you know, all of that in the in, in, in toppy, the poor football and the poor product on the park. So there's a debate raging. So what, what are the Celtic Trust meant to do? Sit back and say nothing? You know, if yeah, we're already sit back and if we're already sit back and just wait for Celtic to make decisions and then have a debate about it, <laughs> we wouldn't really get anywhere, would we? So the debate's healthy. We had a healthy debate about this at our members meeting. I keep saying that we were, you know, over 200 people there and we came up with a proposal which we thought was good. Now, we didn't get a song and dance on it right in the back of that meeting saying, here's this great proposal, let's put pressure on the, the, the club to support it. We gave it to the board and we asked the board to consider it, you know, in good yes. faith. And we're waiting on it. We're still, you know, having done that, we're still waiting on to come back with a definitive answer and whether we're going to back it or not. Or, we are an alternative. But, come on, our supporters seriously expecting us just to sit back and wait until Celtic make decisions on everything before there's a, a discussion or a reaction amongst the Celtic. All, all these podcasts and websites and, and everything else would be redundant if that was the case. We just all sit back and wait to Celtic. Tell us what they're going to do for us. Thanks, Eddie. Cormac, did you want to come in there? Yeah, I, and I won't, I won't waffle on too long, sorry, but uh, I think, yeah, it just comes back to whether you want to be passive or whether you want to be, whether you want to uh, get engaged. And, and that's exactly as Eddie is saying there, there's this debate going on. Now, do we just sit back and say, oh, what are Celtic going to do? Or do we start coming up with solutions? That's, that's yeah. just to add that. Yeah, sorry, I'm, I'm probably uh, just no, thanks, what thanks, Eddie said. Cormac. Thanks. David, I'm going to come to you with the next one because this is touching on something you discussed earlier. Um, and this is about the sort of faceless fan concern. So I'll bring that one up. So you said that fans don't historically sell shares, which is true. How would you answer someone saying that that was an emotional investment at the time by a different generation? And how can you mitigate the risk of a company like Linsell Train swooping up these shares from fans who aren't bothered about them and would prefer the money at the outset? Well, there's got to be shares for them to swoop up, you know, but that's the second part. The first part is what are you saying that the current generation of fans have a different mindset than an earlier generation of fans? Or is the questioner saying that? All I know is that Celtic uh, in the 1990s were in a bad place. We didn't have a stadium. We didn't have any money. We didn't have any management. And we were miles behind the old Rangers. So, you know, Fergus McCann and others appeared in the scene. We had a big share issue and Celtic fans supported it in world record numbers eh, when the club needed them most. And uh, it may well still be a record. I, I don't know. So they did that because the club, they did that to support the club. And the money that they put in, the money that eh, Fergus McCann and myself, for that matter, Dermot Desmond, for that matter, uh, and very many others. John Keane, 
uh, fans rich and poor, old and young, uh, Europe, the States, Canada, whatever, all sort of rallied around the flag, so to speak, and helped set Celtic on a in a sail in a, a positive direction. So that 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 was a that was at a time of crisis, and those shares were made uh, as an emotional investment. That's the phrase that's been used, and I say they weren't uh, bought to make money. They were bought to uh, own a, a share of your club. And I said, as I said at the outset of this meeting, that statement is justified by the fact that most of those shareholders are still on the share register just now. It's not something you can argue against because it's a fact. So most Celtic fans then bought shares and kept them. Even though the shares went up from 60 pence to a fiver and back down and down and down and where they are where they are just now. So most fans kept them. Some sold them. That's life. Some people buy. Some people sell. Some people hold. Some people's economic circumstances change. Some people die. You know, it's, there's a whole mixed bag of, of uh, fans in, in there, but certainly most keep them and hold them. So I, I, I don't think it's any different now. I don't think Celtic fans are less emotional now than they were a generation ago. And I do consider Celtic at a, a, a crossroads. I won't say we're in a crisis, you know, because we were in a strong financial position before this all started. We had an unused borrowing facility and we have a, a billionaire cornerstone investor. So, you know, we're not going to go bust or anything. But certainly COVID has been a disaster for everybody. But we're only interested in Celtic. Our economic advantage, our money advantage is eroding fast. We've had a disastrous season. And unless somebody thinks something very clever out the box, you know, we're not going to sell 50,000 season tickets. I've yet to speak to a Celtic fan that thinks that as things stand, we're going to sell 50,000 season tickets. And our team rebuild and our new manager, you know, we're going to have less money unless we really sort of help push the boat out here. And that's what this proposal does. But to come back to the, the question of the shares, Number one, we don't know if Celtic are going to accept it. Let's assume they do. Number two, we don't know whether it's going to be 50 quid, 100 quid, 200 quid or, or more. And then we don't know how many people are going to accept it. Is it half? Is it a third? Is it 10%? And then of that percentage, you know, suddenly a whole lot of them are going to dump them in the market. These are people that by and large haven't, or fans by and large, don't own any other shares if, if the current uh, survey is right. So the idea of Linzel Train standing in the market, sweeping up shares is preposterous. Uh, they've got 18% just now. And every time they buy a share, they've got to make an announcement. So I, I just don't see it happening. They never got the shareholding they have because small share, small emotional shareholders sold them the shares. They've got the shareholding they have because a few fat cats sold them the shares. So it's the fat cats you've got to watch out for, not the ordinary Celtic fan. And that's thanks, David. Yeah, thanks, David. Just touching on something you said there earlier, which has come up in the comments a few times, you said, you know, the club could come out with something or they could say no. The first part of this question is, 
what happens if the club do say no? What if they do reject this? And maybe one for Paul would be, and what happens to Celtic Shared if this proposal is rejected? What would your next steps be from there? Paul, I'll come to you first, actually, on that second part. What happens if the proposal is rejected and where does Celtic Shared go from there? Sorry, Paul, your, yeah, your audio dropped out. Yeah, I just realised I muted. Apologies for that accident. Like, you go, no if, the, if the proposal is rejected, then the ball is in Celtic's court. A fan organisation has put together what is a pretty competent proposal that's supported by others uh, and they've put that in a formal way to the club. If the club have decided to reject that, then for me, uh, the the um, law of coming up, the um, next idea falls to the club. In terms of Celtic Shared, we're not a single issue campaign and we're never set out to be. Um, you know, we are, are seeking to a campaign to increase the uh, support of voice within Celtic Football Club. Um, it just so happened that this sort of proposal was uh, created and put together by the Trust in the early days of the Celtic Shared campaign. And we've obviously threw uh, our full weight behind that and we'll continue to do so uh, for as long as is necessary. Um, but we certainly won't be stopping here um, and we'll be continuing to campaign on all of these issues going forward. Thanks, Paul. A lot of people are just coming into the show now and are just sort of catching the end of it. Just a reminder to everyone in that position, this will be able to be available to watch on all of our social media channels and on YouTube once we've wrapped up. But I'll put this out to the panel and someone can jump in here. If someone has just started watching this now, how would you sum up what the proposal is why it's a good idea and why this is the best option for the fans let's have a couple of sentences on that just for people who have tuned in now and so we can have a bit of a summary on that the proposal is that if the, the club has made a commitment that it will maintain the value of the season book that will have to involve some offer to the fans our proposal is that that offer should include the option of taking Celtic shares, ordinary shares, instead of cash. That's a good option because it means that the more fans who would take that up as an option, the less uh, money comes out of the club in a stronger um, position next season. And at the same time, makes fans feel valued and gives them an ownership stake in the club. Thanks, Jeanette. That's helpful. Does anyone have anything they want to add from that for anyone else in the panel? I'm not going to say positive dynamic again. <laughs> <laughs> I was just Thanks. trying to think of another word apart from constructive as well. <laughs> what would you say to anyone, Jeanette, who's in the comments saying that for some reason after tonight that they still want more information about the proposal before they decide whether it's something that they'd like to back or not? What would you say to people who want more information? Should they get in touch? Is there anything more that you can tell them? Is there an email address? What can you say to yeah. that? I mean, they can, they can absolutely get in touch with the, with the trust anytime they like. Um, trust at CelticTrust.net. They can get in touch with us and ask us. There isn't much else that we can tell them. We have made a formal proposal to the club that they consider that as an option and fulfilling their commitment that they made on the 23rd of June 2020. Anything that come, that has to be accepted by the club. And then the detail of that, how much would it be, you know, what would the other options be, 
um, those kinds of things would then be a result, I presume, of some discussions after that. Uh, but that's our proposal. Now, the club can accept that proposal, they can come up with a different proposal, or they could choose to do nothing. But if they choose to do nothing, then the problem remains with them. Because the problem remains, how are they going to square the circle of selling season tickets this year? So we're offering them a way out. It's a positive way out. It's, it's the only way out that doesn't involve money for them. Um, and, and, and I just kind of see why anybody could object to it. <laughs> Thanks, Jeanette. Coming back to the panel members we've got on, on the show from the different podcasts, is there anything on the back of those questions that, that any of you have, any follow-on questions for, for any of our panel members here? Yeah, I just think that we got drunk on success. We took our eye off the ball and we can't let it happen again. Because that's just, that's just what, and we're all guilty. Because we didn't, we didn't call the club with the question. We saw the deterioration in the League Cup. We saw the deterioration in the, in, in the staff, the playing staff. We saw the deterioration at the club. But none of us called it out. Because we were all down to Gallagher celebrating trebles. And now, <laughs> And now, when it was too late, we all joined the debate. So, if they appoint Eddie Howe or whoever they appoint, this will get pushed aside. But we can't let them push it aside. We have to say, no, you need to follow through on this or you need to give us an option for what you promised. And that's, that's, just, that's just the way I feel that we just we, we switched off. Um, like, if you look down yeah. to England... The Man United fans switched off and they lost the club. Yeah, no, that's that's a, a fair point. And just to touch on a comment you, you brought up there, um, and I'll come to the panel on this, if Celtic do come out in the next couple of days and appoint someone like Eddie Howe and get the support of the fans back, do you have any concerns that this detracts from your proposal, takes away from it, or that the club could be using a marquee signing to try and get out of offering the fans the additional value that was that was promised. How do you think such an announcement would have an impact on the proposal? I mean, first of all, I wouldn't like to think the club are going to make a marquee designing ju uh, just to try and spite the, the Celtic trust in the proposal they've made. I mean, I hope they're going to make a marquee signing because they're the statute of the club and because we as a club deserve it and we as fans deserve it and, and we want to be successful. And, you know... As I say, I'm not hitting agendas here. We all want to get behind supporting the winning Celtic. We all want to see Celtic being successful. And you're right, we have been drunk in success for the last four years and it's been fantastic. This season has been a blip. Uh, and I've no doubt Celtic will come back and I've no doubt we will be successful in the future. But that doesn't detract from what we as a trust are all about. We, we, as I say, we are going to stay in the tin. We're an organisation who are committed to increasing fan ownership in Celtic. It's something we believe passionately about. You just have to look at the debates going on around Europe now about Super Leagues and you know how that's taken away from fans and, and diluting the game and, and, and taking it down the road that we as punters don't want it to go down. So we are not going to go away. We'll keep campaigning to increase fan ownership where our Celtic appoint Eddie Howe or Josie Mourinho or anybody tomorrow. And you know, and I hope the club are under a lot of pressure to get this, you know, this appointment right. There's a lot of big decisions that have to be made. Get, you know, getting the manager in place is probably the most important, and then he'll have to put his backroom staff yeah. and the playing staff together, and 
and, and, and there are huge challenges facing us as a club. But this is also a huge, a huge challenge to the club, I think, to the PLC. You've got a new guy coming in the, board, in the door as a chief executive, you know. And if he wants, you know, if he wants to enjoy the goodwill of the fans for day one, talk to us. Listen to what the proposals are. See where it is we want to go. How is it? We, how can we as fans contribute to to the club other than just be, being asked to stump up our hard damn cash all the time? What are the fans' ideas? What is it the fans are looking for for this club? So we're not going to go away, despite who. And I hope the day I point to Marquis signing. I hope to God just no just despite the trust because I think that would give us much more a bigger place than what we maybe have in some of their minds. Or that, or that was the reason they were doing it, but you know. Yeah. Uh, if this if this were a normal times, which is not, you know, we've been here before. You know, John Barnes was a big disappointment, and Celtic brought in Martin O'Neill, and everybody rallied round the flag in a big way, and we got, went on to say some good things. Uh, something similar happened uh, with the uh, Ronnie Dahlia. Uh, you know, they bring uh, Brendan Rogers in. Everybody rallies round the, the flag. You know, our positivities around uh, the whole thing. But I think it's a little bit different this time. It's different for two reasons. Number one, uh, we've shelled out $25 million and not seen a game. Number two, uh, well, three reasons. Uh, there was a commitment made on the 23rd of June to offer value. Uh, number three, the season's been disastrous. So these three things all together. And number four, we're, we're not going to have uh, full-capacity stadiums or Stadia, uh, for the start of the season. So when you, you blend all those four things together, that's a very negative cocktail and the likelihood of selling 50,000 season tickets with all the money going to the new manager and the new uh, director of football, is, 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 is the, the likelihood is poor. So cue proposal from Celtic Trust to help stimulate season ticket sales uh, get as much season tickets sold as possible. And that's what our proposal seeks to do. Uh, and I think that, we're, uh, we're having... To, ha, that's really what it's all about. Sorry. Thanks, can I just Paul, come in briefly, David? Um, I don't want to interrupt. David, can I... I you know, no, he talks I'm, about I'm, the sort of negative... Um, but I, as you say, Natasha, what, I, what happens if... You know, Celtic appoint Eddie Howe Monday morning, uh, and that's the news that hits the papers. But imagine they appointed Eddie Howe and announced that they were going ahead with this proposal. That negativity, losing the ten, you know, potentially getting into another season without fans, I think a lot of that would take more of a backseat, and you would really see an enthusiasm, uh, you know, sweep across the entire support. So you can look at the negatives, but you can look at the positives too. If they bring in. Uh, a manager of sufficient quality uh, and they want to make sure that the fans are on board. If they put this out alongside it, the support in the club will be united again uh, and hopefully it will ensure that we can go into next season uh, and fight on all fronts again to reclaim our title. Thanks, Paul. Um, one one question just, just to finish to... up with. Me. On you go, Carmack. Thank Sorry, you. yeah, no, it was just um, with regards to that same question. Um, when you strip it back, actually, when you take all the emotion out of it, it actually just comes back to the very, very straightforward point that it's, it's about the club delivering on the commitment that they gave. It's as simple as that. So when you strip all the emotion out of it, this proposal wasn't born out of us throwing the toys out of Pram because we've had a crap season. It's, it's, it's about delivering on that commitment that was made to supporters when they stumped up. So 
regardless of whether Eddie Howe is promoted uh, is is appointed or not, the proposal still remains. However, the propo- what the proposal does is it tries to reconcile that so that it's a win-win and we can move forward together positively. That was all I wanted to throw in there. Thanks, Carmack. No, that's that's a good summary. David, I'm going to put one last question to you just before we start to look to finish sure. up. Yeah. And people have been questioning the £25 million value that we've put on this. Now, I know it's very difficult to put an exact figure on this, but how did you how did you reach that calculation? And where did you get this value from? You know, it's a benchmark, so it's 50,000 times 500. I think the cheapest... Uh, cheapest season ticket off the top of the head is £510. You know, but there's VAT in there as well. And it's a, it's a benchmark figure. It's not supposed to be a scientific figure. So if, it, if it's not 25 it's still a big number. So I, I, I'm not really that concerned about what the number is. It's a big number. It's a significant number, and it's the most important number. Thanks, David. Just a question that's come up in the chat a few times that I wanted to get to. Sure. Just... Coming back before we finish up a couple of the podcasts alone. Anyone have any questions they want to put to the panel before we finish? I just hope the new manager has a magic wand. (laughs) Don't we all? I had a look at the Champions League route today and it's not looking pretty. We we'll certainly need to have uh, some news soon, I hope, Andrew. But uh, I've got to thank everybody for getting involved tonight. I think it does show that uh, Celtic fans can come together, even if it is just a debate. Uh, and uh, we've seen how well that can happen tonight, for sure. I need to thank Paul. Paul Quigley, thank you very much for pulling this together in a very short space of time. You're representing the Celtic Shared. Uh, also, Cormac Ryan, uh, as well as David Lowe, Eddie Toner and Jeanette Fenley from the, the Celtic Trust. Tonight, we've had four times in a podcast with Andy. Thanks for joining us. Uh, earlier on, we had Kev from North Curve Celtic. Hamish from 67 Hail Hail Media and we've also had Scott tonight from the Homeboys and Andrew Milne from more than 90 minutes. It's been an absolute pleasure from a Celtic State of Mind and hopefully we can do it again. Thanks everybody for getting involved in YouTube, Facebook and Twitter discussions, keeping it as clean as possible and um, these guys are there to be contacted, get in touch with them Uh, and if you can't, get in touch with us and we'll pass your messages on Uh, thanks everybody for joining us on tonight's Celtic Trust and Celtic Shared live event, thank you thank you thanks for organising all Celtic Soul podcasts are free to listeners and you can listen to them across all platforms or on our YouTube channel Celtic Fanzine TV. If you would like to support what we're doing as we don't put anything behind a paywall or Patreon, you can do so by visiting CelticFanzine.com where you can become a member, subscribe, buy or donate for the price of a pint or a coffee. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.